like you ever felt. Are you listening? Damn. Welcome in, folks. I'm your host, Jesse Moeller, a.k.a. JMoeller05, and I wanted to welcome you in to the rantings of a fancy football fanatic. We are fully locked in in Dynasty mode. It's Dynasty 24-7, 365, your second, we sleep, we eat, we wake up, Dynasty's always on the brain. Now, I want to talk about the Combine, but before we get into the Combine, I want to talk about the monster deals we had yesterday. We had not one, but two quarterbacks signing long-term deals to lock themselves down for a few years. So let's talk about Derek Carr for a second. Mr. Derek Carr just decided to say, hey, guess what? I know Vegas wanted to trade me to New Orleans, but you know what? Squash that. I want to do this on my own terms. So they cut him. And what does he do? He signs with New Orleans for four years, 150 big ones, $150 million. That's a lot of money. And they're supposedly up to $70 million in guarantees with $10 million of it leading over into the year three if he's on the roster. So basically, this is a a two-year deal at a minimum, likely three-year deal, because you know why? He has a no-trade clause as well. So guess what? Now you're probably thinking, how does that affect the pass catchers and running backs and all that? That's a dang good question. You know who this helps out a lot? Chris Olave to the moon, baby. I um, I just still, it's been a pet peeve of mine for the entire offseason, why Garrett Wilson is drastically above... Chris Olave and Drake London, they should all be grouped together. They're all rookie wide receivers that had fantastic production in year one. Like, I don't, I don't understand. What and they all had terrible quarterback play. So guess what? Who's the first one that gets the upgrade? Chris Olave. And yet he's still behind Garrett Wilson by 600 points on keep Drake cut. I don't get it. It's whatever. Chris Olave is locked in, folks. He's a wide receiver one on that team. And I know they have Michael Thomas, but the thing with Michael Thomas is he has, in basically in two weeks, he has a $31 million <laughs> bonus that kicks in on the roster and guarantees his salary on March 17th. So we're actually 10 days away from that. So I don't think he's going to be on the roster because why would New Orleans pay Michael Thomas $31 million? They can always cut him and bring him back for cheaper if they want to do that or someone else could do it. But this is Chris Olave's team. Let's be real. He was fantastic as a rookie. You're going to have that connection. Carr has fed people. He's not afraid to do it. Guess what? Guess we did yesterday. Or sorry, last year. Devontae Adams. Hello? Devontae Adams was a target magnet. And specifically, if, if Michael Thomas is gone, Chris Olave is going to see an absurd target share. This is great news for Chris Olave. Might not be great news for the Saints. They're probably going to be very... Very ho-home for the next few years. His cars, you know, he's not the best. He's not the worst. He's that, he's kind of that in-between tier guy where it's like, yeah, we have car. Like, cool. It's not great, but it's not bad. So you, it kind of puts you in this this awful tier where teams are in dynasty where you get stuck in the middle, right? That's kind of feels what the Saints are doing. But they found money for car, so good for him. They like him long-term. So it's going to be car to Olave for the next two, three years. So keep that in mind. Now, it will be interesting to see what happens with Kamara. Who knows? Like, literally, he's just a mystery box at this point. He's going to get suspended. We don't know how long it's going to be suspended. They've already pushed it back a little bit, so we'll see. So there's a lot of moving pieces, but this affects Kamara when he plays. This affects Thomas if he's still on the roster and he's playing. It's good news for all those guys. 
Carr is an accurate QB who can get the ball to his playmakers. Who does that help? The playmakers. Oh, yeah. If you want to take a flyer on Juwan Johnson, feel free. Because realistically, if they cut Thomas and who knows how they use that draft capital, they'll probably bring in one for a wide receiver. But maybe it's a later pick, right? There could be an open window for him. So you want a sleeper? Juwan Johnson's the guy. And the next quarterback I want to talk about, the hometown Seahawks, our boy. They wrote me off. I didn't write back, though. It's just it's an all-time liner. Like, Geno Smith, just the king of Seattle. He took the city by storm. He was fantastic. And while I actually bring both of these guys up is because they are, you know, that solid QB2 and Superflex. Geno Smith massively outperforms Derek Carr. Obviously, you know, touchdowns had a little bit to do with that. Derek Carr's ever been a touchdown machine. But Geno Smith, his contract is three years, $103 million. And the word from Rappaport was $52 million, that he's a chance to make that in year one. Now, it's not all guaranteed. It's the possibility to make up to $52 million in year one. But it's a great deal for Seattle. And all you're thinking, what? They gave him three years, $103 million. Yeah, it's not It's not, It's not. not going to kill them. It's It's a solid amount of money, obviously. Like, that's you're paying them $30 million a year, right? But realistically, this lets you figure out what you want to do with that fifth pick coming up for Seattle. You can still draft Anthony Richardson if he's there. You can still draft, you know, well, Will Levis is a little old to be a developmental guy, but, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, if they're still there. If you want to groom them under Geno Smith for a year or two, have them sit that first year, take over year two, or have them sit two years, take over year three. Like, you have that flexibility to do that. So it doesn't stop Seattle from the plan that they had going into the year. So I, I think it's a good thing. And guess what? DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, they need a third weapon desperately on that offense, but those two still going to be seeing 25% target share apiece, just doing their thing. So Tyler Lockett, go get him for peanuts. He's dirt cheap in Dynasty. He's going to keep succeeding. Like he's just, he's been doing it for like five years straight. I don't know what else he has to do. So he has a quarterback. We saw what Geno Smith did with him. Wheels up for those guys in Seattle. So it's good news for all those, those pass catchers and both those offenses. So pretty big deals. And that'll have a ripple effect in Dynasty. So we'll see where it takes the rankings of those guys. Lockett is significantly devalued in Dynasty. He's he, like, I paid for him, I think, the 210 in the playoff push. Now that we're outside of the playoffs on one of the rosters, like, you're basically talking third round pick at this point. So if you want to spend a third round pick to go get Tyler Lockett, go lock him up. Metcalf is pretty pricey. So if you want to pay for Metcalf, I'm not going to say no. He's a damn good NFL wide receiver. And they're set up well. So it was just, it was good to touch on those dynasty deals because those are massive deals. And then we're going to see what happens with Daniel Jones after that. I saw Twitter was ablaze with hilarious gifts and memes. Because since Derek Carr got that, that cash moolah referencing our, the king himself, Lamar Jackson, just sitting there counting his money and all that. So it'll be interesting, the ripple effects. But we had the first two. The first two things drop. We're going to see more of that in Dynasty now season and go from there. I wanted to touch on the combine now, and boy, what a show it was. And when we started out talking about quarterbacks, we are going to jump in on the rookie quarterbacks. My goodness, what what can you say that already hasn't been said? If you have watched any, any content related to the NFL the past couple of days, it's been the Anthony Richardson show. He put up the single greatest quarterback performance for sure. 
but one of the all-time performances for any position. He was out of control. Like, I knew everybody was talking about, oh, he's going to be a great athlete. And yeah, we expected that. We didn't expect him to be this level, like the greatest athlete at the quarterback position of all time. That's what we're talking about. The man's 244 pounds. He took over the number one RA, RAS spot, and RAS is relative athletic score. If you want to find out what it is, it's basically takes your height, your weight, and your athleticism, puts them in a formula, and it's out of 10. 10's the best number you possibly get. You can get a zero. Obviously, realistically, if you put up a number, you're not going to get a zero, but it's a sliding scale. You want to be, depending on the position, it's more important, obviously, quarterbacks. It's nice to have an athletic quarterback with where the NFL is today is. It's not 20 years ago, right, where you had these statues sitting in the pocket. We ha- It's a mobile game, and you get them out on the run. You have offenses designed around these playmakers like Lamar Jackson. We have Jalen Hurts. We thought we had Trey Lance, right? We have these, these super mobile quarterbacks. And even Daniel Jones, he put up like 600 yards rushing this year. Like there's, there's athletes all over at the quarterback position, and play callers are realizing – why well, have a running back run the ball when I could set up a play for a quarterback and then him take off? It's going to be a more effective play. It's easier to run. It's going to be more successful. So it's nice to see these guys becoming more involved. Because 20 years ago, Anthony Richardson probably doesn't even get a test as a cute. Like, they're not going to treat him as a quarterback. But guess what? They've, they've seen the error of their ways. And my goodness, the man was just, he's incredible. He's a freaking tank. He's, he's, he's ginormous. He's a blazing fast athlete and he has a cannon of an arm he was just just slanging it deep on top of not all doing all the testing but even when he was thrown he just it looked effortless for him but he legit set the all-time record for quarterbacks for ball jump vertical jump and he had the third fastest 40 time of any quarterback and he did that weighing at 244 it was just it was literally jaw-dropping you watched him and you're like is there anything this man can't do and even with his 40 he didn't have great form it didn't matter he was blazing <laughs> oh my goodness this the second most impressive quarterback was cj stroud he put on just an aerial display it was clinical it was efficient he was hitting guys just on the rut in perfect strike just arms bread basket perfect shot it was it was beautiful and you could see like people were pretty taken back by this. Like we knew CJ Stroud was a very good passing quarterback. That's a straight coming into the league. You wanted to see him do it without the elite of elite wide receivers Ohio State does. And guess what? He was lights out. It was one of the best ones I've seen in, in years. I was I watched it and my jaw was just like, man, this guy is smooth. It looks easy. It's just hitting guys exactly where they need to be. And he even showed off the arm too. So it wasn't one of the the wide receivers he had dropped it but it was a damn good pass and the guy should have caught it so it's just but i i referenced it is it was as smooth as the knife going through butter that's just what it was like watching cj style throw it was impressive the third guy was bryce young he basically went to the combine he he got measured so he did that he went there to interview talk to guys but he didn't do much outside of that he came in over 200 pounds so that was good because there were talk of him being 190 really slender even with him being over 200 pounds the fact he's basically 5 10 200 pounds that is tiny and he's not he's not the athlete that kyler is and he looks more slender he's not as thick as kyler is either so it's a little bit harder for him to succeed people are still worried if he's you know if he can hold up but you know he showed he can put on the weight so that's a good thing 
but I wouldn't over overthink it with our boy Bryce. He's a damn good quarterback. Like the guy's just he's really good. And you saw the last two years what he did at Alabama. He carried this Alabama team, in particular this last year. This Alabama team was nowhere near the Alabama team of years past. Like he had to do more, and he was capable of doing it. It was he was very impressive to watch this year. So he he basically answered the weight question and said, Hey, guess what? I, I can weigh over 200 pounds. So go check me out at the pro day. The fourth and final of the round one quarterbacks was Will Levis. He's the guy, it's particularly in fantasy, that is thought of the last of these four. That may have to do with the fact he played at Kentucky. He had to transfer to go to Kentucky to play. And when he played, he just wasn't that good. I think the surprising thing about him is he was surprisingly athletic, actually. Like, he put up a decent RAS score. It was over eight, and I was actually impressed. He didn't do much testing, but he did enough where you're like, okay, all right, I see what you're doing here, son. So it was, it was good to see him do that. He, my my favorite quote of his was they were, they were talking about quarterbacks not throwing at the combine, and Will Levis said, I'm, I, I opted into and they asked him why, and he goes, because I've got a cannon, I'm going to show it off. And that's that's literally what you want to hear from your quarterback. You want the confidence that he can just make every throw. Obviously, with some quarterbacks, if you have the gunslinger mentality, that's how it turns interceptions. We'll see how that transfers with Will Levis, but he is a bit older, so the fact he's still kind of a project, it's not great, but guess what? NFL surely loves him. And he showed off he has the strongest arm in the class. He threw 59 miles an hour. Um, when they did the velocity test, no one else could touch that. It beat everyone in attendance. But it was a solid day for him, too. So overall, it was a good good day. Some of them were all-time great. But it was a good day for all the quarterbacks. They answered the questions. There, was, there wasn't a negative, really. So it was a very good day from the quarterbacks to the combine. Now, let's jump to wide receivers, talk about wide receivers. It's not a great class. I know, and that's kind of a strange place to be with how we value wide receivers in Dynasty where the mindset is sell and flip these running backs for wide receivers, right? So you build through wide receivers and that's kind of your base. But realistically, this isn't the best class to do it. Now, there are, there may be ending up like four or five go, guys that go around one, but it's just, it's just not a great class. It, no one's an elite prospect. The closest one is probably Jackson Smith and Jigba, JSN. But even he has questions. He didn't run the 40 because of it, because we know he doesn't have that top end speed to, to take like take the top off of a defense, right? That's not that's not what he does. And he's played almost 90% of the snaps in the slot in his in his career, right? So there's these couple question marks we have with him. But he he literally just came in and said, Hey, this is me. Watch what I do. And he was fantastic. He, he looked incredible in the pass catching. The drills, he did great in the drills he performed in. He he showed out. And his RAS score was off the charts. And I know RAS scores are not super important for as far as translating to wide receiver production. It more helps with draft capital. So when you're looking at wide receivers, if they're going to get in a good RAS score, it's, going to, it's not going to hurt their draft, like what they did on the draft, but it's going to help them so anybody it's always a good thing to be more athletic than less athletic right even at the wide receiver position where it doesn't necessarily translate to fancy points it's what you want to see but he came in 
he basically just said, there's no questions about me. Watch what I do. And yeah, it was it was really impressive to watch. I was I was actually very impressed watching because I had question marks about his athleticism and his short speed was so nice. He was fantastic and he did it all realistically. He ended up with a 939 like Rascore. That's really great. And where he dominated was the shuttle drill and the three cone. Like he put up elite numbers there, which really translates to what you see on tape, right? Because his quickness and change of direction, like that's how he's able to win his routes. And he and it showed up on the testing. And even the broad jump was very good too. Which makes sense. Like that's the explosion ability that you use. Put it all together and what do you got? You got a technician slot wide receiver who is able to win all over the field. So it's yeah, he's locked in round one. I think he had something like 24 interviews over the course of the combine. So I know fancy guys were a little worried. NFL clearly was not worried about him. They are very much in on him. The, the second wide receiver who is probably will be the first wide receiver drafted just because like the traits he possesses are very rare in the NFL is Quentin Johnson. He did come in a little bit shorter at 6'2", but... Quinn Johnson was he showed like hey guess what I'm still here don't forget about me I was like yeah he he did I mean, he he checked the boxes he even high pointed a ball and this blew up on Twitter because he's considered a body catcher right and he went up and obviously it wasn't against anyone but it was just nice to see you're like oh guess what he can do that right so that was good to see for Quentin Johnson and he he still towers over basically everybody in this class there's a few guys that are taller than him but they're they're not expected to get great draft capital. The third guy of the wide receivers, the top five, Jordan Addison. He came in smaller and slower than expected. And he isn't known for his speed. Like, he's not considered a fast wide receiver, but he's, it's just not the best to see that from wide receiver. So it's like, okay, you're smaller, okay. And you're, you're slower? That's not, that's not what we want to see, right? So it had more to do with expectations. And I'll touch on the next guy. The same thing happened. Um, but to wrap it up with Addison, it just wasn't the best. But he looked fine when he's doing the running routes and things like that. But you just want to see better testing numbers from him just because he is smaller. So it's just harder for smaller guys to win at the NFL level. So that's what we want to see. He still seems like he's going to be around one, maybe like early round two guy. So it's not really a big deal. His production profile speaks for itself. He's a very good NFL wide like will be a very good NFL wide receiver. It's just maybe his ceiling isn't as high as we thought. But if we're talking later in the draft, in the rookie draft, like back half of the rookie draft, you know, at that cost, I'm, I'm more than likely in. The next guy who probably was considered extremely disappointing, but this is just, this had to do with more expectations than anything else. Jalen Hyatt ran a freaking 4.4040. That is fast. And people's expectations were through the roof. They were talking 4-2 speed 40, right? Which nobody does that. There's a handful of guys in the NFL that can do that. And it's just the expectations were so high. He's bound to disappoint if that's your expectation. But he showed off why he literally just separates from defenders. The man put up a 40-inch vertical, 11-foot, 3-inch broad jump. And a 1.5 10-yard split. Like, that's elite company. That's explosive as a mofo. This guy, he gets it on you and you can't catch up because he has enough speed where people aren't going to be able to catch you, right? Because he's still running a 4-4. That's, that's fast. Like, 
I get we get obsessed with these numbers, but Hyatt, Hyatt is a game breaker, and he showed that. And I, I even posted about this on Twitter. I was like, expectations are the only reason why people are happy about JSN and disappointed on Hyatt, because it's true. If JSN was expected to be like really quick, right, we wouldn't be through the moon with him off the performance. So you kind of have to check your expectations when you go into the confine, because sometimes with people like Hyatt, like he did very well, and it just didn't make sense to me when people were disappointed. He locked in the. I, I would take a bet that he's going to be around one wide receiver. Like those type of metrics, that's what you want to see. The NFL is constantly chasing chasing wide receivers that can. Basically, what they call out their game breakers. They take the top off the defense. Hyatt's that guy. So, he, I consider it a good day for him. I wouldn't be worried. Josh Downs came in small as well. And you'll notice a lot of these guys are not big. This is not a big wide receiver class. Josh Downs was 5'9", 171 pounds. And that's just like, man, that's so small. We're talking like Hollywood Brown territory. And he's not the athlete Hollywood Brown is. So, that makes it a little difficult for him. Obviously, he's very good. No one's going to dispute that. But it just, it kind of just caps him a little bit too. So I was not thrilled with that. I wanted him to come in a little bit bigger because we're talking, you know, you want your wide receivers pushing 190, 200 pounds. Today's NFL, 171, and you're not the fastest guy. Like you can't just blow by everybody. That's where it gets interesting. Like, he's fine. He performed well enough, but... Yeah, that just makes you question a little bit. So, downgrade a smidge. But overall, we're chasing the profile and what they did. Go look at his production. He's very good. He's he's worth the pick. He'll probably be in early, like, in super flex drafts, he'll probably be early round two, realistically. Maybe late round one range. Like, that's where he's been trending. So, we'll see where he ends up. But, you know, just a slight ding. That's because... You know, we're taking it with a grain of salt. That's what we do with all the information. The last of the five, Zay Flowers, came just rocked up. Now, it's interesting that Downs was 171. Zay Flowers was 182. Like, that's a, that's freaking 11 pounds. And interesting part about Flowers is he came in saying, I'm going to weigh 183. And if you talk to people at the Combine, they're saying he looked bigger. Like, he was sitting with his chest out, sitting next to the other guys. And you could see he put in the work to put on the weight. Um, one of the more interesting things I found was watching the NFL combine and there's a clip on Twitter. You can find it where Steve Smith compared Zay flowers to number 89, Steve Smith. He called him a bigger, stronger version of himself. And he said, he's, he's more of a dog than Steve Smith was. And if you remember Steve Smith playing, he was the ultimate dog. He'd get up in anybody's face. He would tell you how it is. And that's how he is. He's been retired. Like he's not afraid to let you know, like. Hey, I was that dude. So if he gives you that that boost of confidence about Zay Flowers, he called him his guy from this draft class. That's massive praise on what you want to see. I think Flowers came in. He was very athletic. He did everything we wanted to see. So he's been called the most dynamic wide receiver in this draft class. I don't know if he is, to tell you the truth, but I get the feeling he's going to go in the back half of the first round now. And realistically... Any teams would be lucky to have him. Like if my Seahawks took him with our second pick, the twentieth pick of the first round, I'd be thrilled because he fits what we need. So it's just it was a good day for him. So overall, that's the wide receiver group. Athleticism obviously is not as important, but like we said before, you want to see it. You don't want a guy a guy to be basically just a substandard athlete. 
And you know where I'm going with this. Keishon Butte, what the heck happened? So he comes in the combine, right? We have a lot of question marks, off field issues, character concerns. He gets asked who he's compared to. He says, Stefan Diggs. I go, what? Like, you're not that type of player. And then he says he's going to run a 4-3-40. And I'm just, bap. I, I was literally like, what are you talking, how? And wh- what? It just, it didn't make any sense. I don't know what this man was talking about. I was so confused. It's just, it was a disaster of a day. And then he gave basically, so he runs a 4-5 four, a four, flat. 40 which you know it's okay it's not it's not gonna kill you it's fine he gives up on his second 40 runs a four six plus and you're like dude what are you doing and the worst part about it was he didn't even try like his vertical and his broad he 29 inch vertical i had a higher vertical in high school than that i don't understand what like he's not this bad of an athlete like we've seen this stuff on tape when he was younger I get it, he's coming off the injury, but man, this is just a laundry list of just red flags with Butte. So I know he had the, the name Cache coming in, and people were hoping he'd show it out, but man, no no, thank you. I, I want nothing to do with Keishon Butte at this point. Like, he just seems like a giant red flag. He needs to figure out whatever his issues are, get that settled, and then try and focus on football just because that was just, oof, yeah, that there were plenty of group shots that I were in where we were just like, what just happened with Butte? He did a what? Yeah, it was, it was that type of day. So with the good, there's obviously some guys that fall short. Last year, this was Ky- Kyron Williams. But I guess what? He still went through A3. He got drafted. Showed, you know what? I'm still a capable NFL no player. So it's not the end of the world if a guy's not athletic, but what it does <laughs> is it pretty much puts a cap on their ceiling. There are a few guys, like if you're a sub-center athlete, where they will produce and they're very good NFL wide receivers, but it's just tougher. It just gives you a more a narrow lens to work with. So that's all. So when you see a guy comes in who's expected to be extremely athletic and is less than like your average athlete, that's a problem. Let's go to running backs. But let's be honest, it's it's Bijan's world. We're we're all just living in it, right? He's been the unquestioned 101 for going on almost three years now. And guess what? Don't overthink it. If you have the 101, either use it to trade for a truly elite quarterback. And I don't mean Anthony Richardson. I mean one of like the big seven. Talking Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, Lamar, you know, players like that. Herbert, stuff, you know, those guys. Get one of those guys, right? Otherwise, just take Bijan. He's freaking incredible he smashed he literally did everything you wanted him to do and i really don't think we need to talk about it even more i will say one thing watching his footwork drill was just so effortless he looked like he was moving slow and moving fast at the same time and what i mean by that is it was so easy when he was moving like you think he's going slow but you watch his feet and they are cruising that's just you know you're dealing with a special talent at that point. It's just that's all you need to say. He he checked every box. He showed he showed he's that guy. So Bijan, one on one. I don't. I still don't think it's a discussion. I know people are gonna talk about Anthony Richardson, and that's gonna get pretty wild in a couple months. But it's Bijan's world. Let's stop playing around with it. The running back too, Mr. Jameer Gibbs. He did what you wanted. I know. Wait, it's a little bit of a concern. 
while this running back class has a ton of depth, it doesn't have a, a lot of truly elite talent. So this is where it gets interesting with someone like Gibbs. He came in at 199 pounds. Now, I know he didn't technically hit the two 200-pound threshold, but we're talking about one, one pound here, right? I find it interesting that whenever these thresholds are brought up, Eckler, for some reason, does not come up. He weighed 199 pounds at the Colorado Pro Day. And yes, I know he didn't go to Colorado, but it was a Colorado Pro Day for the area. So Western State, he's from there. He was able to compete in the Colorado Pro Day. He, it's Go to NFLnetwork.com. You'll see it. He weighed 199 pounds. Like That's what he weighed there. But people choose not to talk about it. I'm not saying Gibbs is Eckler. What I'm saying is... He's close enough to 200. It's not like, oh no, he's 190 pounds. No, there's a difference there. He's basically 200 pounds. Um, but anyways, he was lightning quick. You watch him and you watch A-Chain and it's freaking bananas how fast those guys are. Like, There's also Keaton Mitchell who, man, that guy is freaking skinny. Like he was 178. I was like, dude, no, you can't be 178. He's not, he's not short like A-Chain. I was like, you gotta be bigger. I was like, man, that's just too skinny. And he was obviously trying to blaze with his 40 time. He did, he ran like a 4-3-8, I think he did. Um, Gibbs came in with a freaking 4-3, I wanna say four? Four through six? I honestly, I think it was 4-3-4. But man, he was just, you watch him on his drills and it's just lightning quickness. Like the guy just moves so fast and you add in this, a truly elite pass catching profile. I'm talking like he was at like 19%. Like that's elite pass catching profile. And I'm incredibly confident taking Marby too. He's still in my top four of super flex drafts. He's my, in one QB, obviously. You know, you could you could have JS in there if you want 102. I don't. Gibbs is the 102. Like he, he did everything you wanted to see. He's gonna, if he gets the round one draft capital, which expect him to get, or early round two draft capital, I'm not worried about it. The guy's good enough to get on the field. And this is the great thing about PPR. Gibbs doesn't need to be a workhorse. Like he can be that satellite plus, right? Where he's, you know, he's giving you eight to 10 carries. He's getting six reset, like six targets a week. Like that's plenty. That's like 16 touches. Like that'll do for someone as talented as he is. That's all you really need. You don't need 20, 25 touches. Now it'd be nice if he got to 20, but He's just the dynam dynamic weapon. And NFL teams are going to know how to use this guy. So don't overthink it. Just draft Jameer Gibbs. Now, it is interesting. The um, the guy who kind of made his case for RB3 was Zach, Zach Charbonnet. He came in at the big enough weight. People love to see the guys that are, like, he's a little big, six foot. But people want to see that 5'10", 5'11", 215. That's, like, the ideal range, which, by the way, that's exactly what Bijan is. But Charbonnet came in. And he showed a good 10-second burst, like, or sorry, the 10-yard the burst. He hit 1.54, which that's a really good number, especially at 2.14. Like, he he looks a lot thicker. Like, when you watch him and you compare him to B. John, you'd be like, oh, those guys are the same weight. But B. John just holds it better. Like, he's a little, like, slimmer looking. Charbonnet looks bigger. He's bulkier. He's not, he's not super loose or anything like that. But he put up a monster RES score. Like, we're talking big-time numbers, which... Surprised me because the athleticism was definitely a questionable sharpening. He put up a 9.42. Like, I don't think anybody was expecting that. What 
he did really well was the vertical 37 inches the broad jump he's over 10 feet and that's that 10 yard split once again four 4.53 that's that's fine for a running back it's not going to kill you especially at his size it's not the end of the world he showed off the explosion which we want to see because that's the ability to generate chunk plays right you get out you get an edge and you go now he doesn't have house call ability but and what i mean by that like he's not taking stuff seven yards of house let's completely broken play like he doesn't have that right but he's gonna rip off some chunk runs for you and he's gonna be good so charbonnet did what we wanted to see which there were plenty of question marks he came in he tested well it's good now it's interesting with a chain i i love me some a chain it's funny chain he's He's been very good, Texas AM, right? But you have to decide if you're willing to accept the fact he's a smaller back. And that's possible. Like, can he do it? Sure. Is he gonna do it? I don't know, because this depends on the coaching staff. Trusting him enough to give him enough touches. It's not injury concern. Those are bunk. Like smaller running backs don't get injured at a higher rate than bigger running backs. That doesn't happen. What it is is coaching staff trusting these guys to to like handle a heavy workload and a chain he's 5'8 188 like that's he's small like he isn't deuce vaughn small deuce vaughn is tiny deuce vaughn's 5'5 179 so his ras score or sorry his um his bmi score is gonna be better because he's 5'5 179 right but he's 5'5 like that's literally the shortest guy since 2003 at the combine he's really short a chain's 5'8 he's a little bit bigger but he he ran a blazing time, four point three two. That's that's bonkers, right? <laughs> like you get a guy doing that, and you see and you see it on tape. He he just blows away from you guys. Like you give him a crease, and he can go. Now it's gonna be if he gets draft capital or not. Like I think he will be or like day two. Like maybe he pushes in to round two. It's questionable. He might get there, but he's gonna be a day two guy just because the explosive ability he has. So he's gonna be a fun one to watch. Keep an eye on him. If he goes round two, you're gonna have to pay attention to him because that's a team telling you, hey, guess what? We believe in this guy. We wanna get him on the field and get him in use. So it'll be interesting to see who of those running backs goes, you know, round two. I'm not sure how many actually do. We'll probably see a lot of round three guys. So it'll be fun to sort through all that when we get through that. What was interesting is a lot of guys didn't test. Zach Evans, he came in freaking 202 pounds. What are you doing, Zach? He was listed at 215. That's a massive drop. Like, we're not talking a couple pounds. That's 13 pounds lower. That's wild. Now, he is a little slender because he's 5'11", 202. So it's not the best. He didn't test. Sean Tucker didn't test. Kendra Miller didn't test. It's like, guys. Oh, yeah. And Izzy. I struggle with this guy's name. He's, he's out of pit. Is Israel Abanaconda. He did not test, and these guys could have done so good. Oh, yeah, our boy Tajay Spears didn't test. Deuce Vaughn didn't test. There's so many guys that didn't test, and they literally had a chance to separate themselves. Now, I know they're going to work out their pro day, and there's a couple of guys that are injured. Like, oh, yeah, another guy, Eric Gray, didn't test. Mo Ibrahim didn't test, so we didn't get the scores we're looking for. And it's important to running back because you need someone who's a good athlete if you're looking for someone that's able to generate these chunk plays because if you're slow you're not going to be generating those plays right like because you're going to get caught we're going to catch you so you can be a plotter you could be a successful plotter in the nfl but 
that's not and particularly for fantasy that's not what anybody wants right unless you get the freaking Legarrett blunt season or the jamal williams season plotter's not where it's at i thought ramondre was a plotter oh boy was i wrong but that's that's either here or there that's a completely different discussion ramondre is a very good running back but anyways let's jump to the tight ends this is the bet like the amount of talent tight end position this year is absurd this class is stacked and it's deep it might be the best position and i know you're thinking maybe the quarterbacks because there's four of them yeah the tight ends are going at least 11 deep in the top three rounds that's absurd and usually you get five sometimes seven of those guys but 11 that's nuts and athleticism is extremely important for tight end production for fantasy um so let me break it down for you right so since 2017 65% of the top 12 tight end seasons came with a RAS score above 9.0. 87% of the top five seasons came above a 9.0. So you want guys to hit that number. Also, there has been no top five tight end season to come from a player below 6.0 RAS. So if you have a middling athlete, like a guy that's just meh average, like that's not, that's not going to cut it. Because you want to lead difference makers at that end position. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, did we get some incredible athletes this year. Uh, we had Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion. He ran a 10. The the best tight end score of all time for Raz. The best, number one. We had Musgrave out of Oregon State. He ran a 9.94. That's the seventh best. Darnell Washington out of Georgia. A 9.90. Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan, a 9.75. We had Tucker Kraft out of San Diego State, a 9.52. We had Will Mallory out of Miami, a 9.39. And we had, oh, sorry, it was Sam. We had Laporte out of Iowa, ran a 9.25. Like, that's what we want to see. That's telling us, like, hey, guess what? There's an influx of extremely athletic tight ends coming into the league. Now, the biggest freak of them all is Darnell Washington. The dude's almost 6'7", 264 pounds. He's a monster. And you see him at the combine, just towers over everybody. I was actually surprised how close in size him and Musgrave were. They're less than an inch apart, and they are like 11 pounds apart. But like, I was surprised Musgrave was that big. I did not expect that. You'll notice one name I did not list on here, and that's Michael Meyer. He was a bit of a faller. Just because he was not an explosive athlete. And that's kind of what we thought coming in. But we wanted to see it to make sure. He still had an 8.08 RAS score. Totally fine. Now, the issue with him is he looks like he's going to fall into that tight end type. The Zach Ertz, the Jason Wittens of the world. Where he needs heavy volume to be a successful tight end. Now, Mayer's the best tight end. Like, he's... If you're drafting a tight end for NFL, you want Michael Mayer. Let's not get crazy with this. That's that's not what I'm saying. But fantasy-wise, I don't know. And he was a locked-in round one guy coming in, and he's more than likely going to fall to the, the second round, which is fine. He's not going to fall to where Trey McBride did last year because Trey McBride was like middle to back half around two. Mayer's a better player. It would actually be interesting to see where McBride stacks up on this class. But Mayer... Mayer's that dude. Like he's he's strong as an ox. Like he does everything you want for NFL. It's just fantasy wise, I don't know if he's gonna be a leader or not. So 
the decision comes down to do you want to draft mayor like early second or do you want to take musgrave or darnell washington the third or you could even go later like the fourth like tucker craft right or laporta's laporta got he got steamed up like crazy at the combine people love laporta and a lot of that has to do with uh, the iowa name and the prestige to tight end you iowa like, like people are still hoping for all those guys to break out we finally Noah fans in seattle he's from iowa who knows when that's gonna freaking happen right but you know it's just it's interesting to see where one or a couple guys got steamed up the other ones didn't and it just sucks for meyer sometimes that happens but that's okay he's still a very i i am the most confident in him being a good tight end in the league than on the rest of these guys fantasy wise that's where the discussion comes in so we're talking about two separate things here but you'll notice the one guy I didn't talk about it's Dalton Kincaid out of Utah he measured up to the drills but he has a back injury so he didn't compete he is a little smaller he's 6'4 246 and given his profile he still possibly could be the best receiving tight end in the class but the issue is with these type of tight ends where they're not going to block they're not going to be in line because he's just not big enough that means he's going to be out wide and you need someone that's got to scheme them open, right? So that's my only worry with Dalton Kincaid. He's a good tight end. I'm not going to act like that or anything crazy, but it's just, it's hard to trust those guys sometimes because they're coming off the field. They're not running all the routes. They're not seeing all the snaps. It just cuts into production. So that's kind of what you have to take in mind. Hopefully he goes to an offense coordinator and knows how to use him. He'll see all the snaps, all those routes, won't have to worry about it, right? But that's kind of the breakdown of the combine. It was just, I think the best description I I heard of it was, it's absolute bananas. It's just it's just pure unadulterated chaos, and that's what the combine is. You have all these people giving you little hints here, dropping nuggets there. Matthew Berry released his Twenty Three Things article, which is pretty interesting. So you go look at that and. It's nice to have those insight that some of those guys have, right? So you see all the information that they come, come away with at the combine. And it's just all these people coming together from, you have reporters, you have fantasy guys, you have general managers, you have coaches, you have scouts, you have players. So all these people are just coming in, like they're meeting together, talking like conversation strikes, right? Guess what they talk about? Football. <laughs> and some interesting things get leaked out. So the combines, it's a blast. It's, it's very much a production of the show, but... It's well worth it for fantasy, like what we love to do, right? Because we want to see the incoming class. Um, what I wanted to talk about is how this affects the rookie draft, right? In the first round. So for me, what it's looking like is there is a good top six, maybe top seven, depending on if you have JSN and a separate tier. I am struggling with this. I don't. Like he's in the same tier with Quinn Johnston, but that's what it comes down to. Because realistically, it's Bijan 101, Anthony Richardson 102. I've, I said this before the comment. Go listen to the last podcast I did. I said it back then. Anthony Richardson 102. The upside is immense. Like people said, Trey Lance's upside. No, he's got greater upside than that. He's got QB1 fantasy upside. The guy's ridiculous. He's Justin Fields. Like Justin Fields, you know how he was breaking fantasy? The difference is Anthony Richardson avoids sack at 
an obscene rate. is like 9% of his pressures turn into a sack, which is basically Patrick Mahomes level at avoiding sacks. So you're not getting all the negative plays that a Fields does, right? Now he's going to need the draft capital. If he doesn't go around one, then scooch him back, right? But let's just stay under the pressure because this is what we're talking about. He's going to go top 10. That's conservative. Realistically, at this point, like I don't see him falling out of top five. So you have those two locked in because Bijan's just don't even think about it. If you want to put Richardson ahead of Bijan, that's fine. Let's say those are just the top two, right? Then it gets real interesting because you have Jameer Gibbs, you have Bryce Young, you have CJ Stroud. Now, for me, it's been Gibbs and Young just because Young's shown an ability to be more mobile than Stroud. Stroud showed off athleticism but he's not mobile quarterback. That's not what he does. So I do wonder if it's going to limit his upside in the fantasy. Like that's that's kind of the, I don't want to take a guy 103 or 104 as quarterback if they don't bring a little bit of just Konami code, right? Because that's, that's the key in fantasy these days. So that's kind of the struggle, but we'll say it's the top five right there. And then 106, got JSN. <laughs> And then it could be 107, you could have Will Levis, you have Quentin Johnston there, but it's like even 108, it's a really good spot to be. So what the combine shown is the first round, at least the top three quarters of it is looking very nice, right? If you have the back half where you have picks nine through 12, it gets a little more interesting because that's a mismatch of dudes. Realistically, it's gonna be, you're gonna have Zay Flowers, you're gonna have Jalen Hyatt go there, you're gonna have Zach Charbonnet go there. And then you're going to have probably Michael Mayer in there and that range of guys. So it's not bad dudes. Like they're good players. It's just they're guys that we don't see having the upside. And that's the problem. But it does highlight what we talked about before. This class is still very good. I know people are down on it just because the running backs didn't live up to being truly elite assets. Like we didn't have... The 2020 or 2017 class where we had a bunch of guys with these profiles coming out like that guy's going to be elite 2020 fell short injuries situations all sorts of stuff these guys could still be good like deandre swift there was talk at the combine where dan campbell was like we got to get this guy unlocked on the field but he needs more touches so obviously we've been saying that for three years deandre swift right but the 2017 is the gold standard for running backs and this class, it's, it's not really gonna live up to it unless a lot of those guys fall into really good situations, but it's it's more the depth and of the running back position in general, where it just goes in round two, round three, you're gonna find guys around four you possibly like. Take dart throws on running backs. Once you get past a certain threshold of wide receiver, st- stop taking darts on those guys. Transition to tight ends, running backs in this class. The other guy is Hennon Hooker at quarterback. He's interesting. He was very good this year. Like he was fantastic. So I know he's coming off the injury. He is old. He's 25. He's old as dirt. But you know, stranger things have happened. If we're talking round three, like I'll throw a dart on Hooker in Superflex leagues. It's like, why not, right? Because all he needs is one start. You flip for a second, boom, profit. So that's all you have to think about. But it's gonna be a very fun class, and I'm I'm pretty excited. I know people were a little bit down on it. I know there's hype now all my leagues are active or people were just blowing up the chats because 
we were seeing stuff we're like oh my gosh and yeah a lot of it was around anthony richardson but jsn dominated it like the tight ends were a popular topic the running back depth like we saw we saw a lot of these running backs just absolutely pop where it's like these guys are running just insane scores so it was fun to see and we had a couple guys like hole balled out like evan hole he was incredible and same with chase brown like both those guys those guys showed out those are, those are what we call combine warriors where they're like you're like whoa who's that dude and then you look you check on the flip side i want to pour one out for kenny mcintosh you can't run a 462 dude like that's just we can't have that and what's interesting is his tenure split isn't bad but dude he just nothing after that like he had the same split as charbonnet and bigsby right but he ran almost a second slower than those guys and the thing is he's smaller he's 204 pounds he's six feet so he's slender and he's a pass catcher and it's like dude so he's he's a day three guy i was hoping maybe he'd find his way into day two but no not anymore the pass catching profile is nice but he's a day three guy uh i do wish we had a modem test but you know that's their choice they could they live with it so we got pro days coming up in a few weeks so we'll touch base on a lot of those but as always want to thank you all for coming in i am your host jesse moeller the user tag it's jmoller05 find me on twitter you can find me on youtube you can find me on instagram you can find me on tiktok any social media platform i'll be there we'll be doing these podcasts all throughout the off season so thanks for coming in and we'll see you later next week